this is not me to speak from a, you know, from a device. But printer problems at my house and printer problems at the church have led us. I'm just so glad I actually brought my my device <laughs> with the message on it. So I left my. I'm not going to leave my glasses on, but I want to get a good look at everybody. How's everybody doing? So good to see everybody. You know, uh, I was just going to. I think I'll tell a kids joke about. Uh, I think I'll tell a kids joke to open. How's that, kids? You guys want to hear a joke? Okay, here's the question for you kids. What did Tarzan say when he saw the elephants running over the hill? He said, look at the elephants running over the hill. Okay, what did Tarzan say? Sorry, i got to stay in my lane here. Um, metaphorically and in reality, right? What did Tarzan say, kids, when he saw the elephants running over the hill wearing sunglasses? He didn't say anything because he didn't recognize them. And that's my situation with a lot of you. You got masks on, so I don't know who you are. So I'll take off my glasses and we'll move on. How's that? All right. Well, this morning our verses are Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. And... Um, Again, God in his, his uh, amazing sovereignty has coordinated verses that apply incredibly to the times that we're living in. These are unprecedented, uncertain times. Amen? From a global health perspective, excuse me, to um, political division that we haven't seen in decades, to racial tension and civil unrest, also like we haven't seen in decades. And to top it all off, a potential economic crisis looming that no one is really certain as to what that might look like. Well, providentially, again, these verses today from Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 through 6, they're timely and they, and they deal directly moving forward, about moving forward despite uncertainty. Commentator Philip Ryken said this about the overall book of Ecclesiastes. Here's what Philip Ryken says. In terms of the message of the, of, the, of the book as a whole, Koholet has consistently maintained the uncertainty of life in the present world. No one can know what will happen. The title of today's sermon, if you're writing it down or if you're interested, is this. Step out in faith because you just don't know what God will do. Let me read that again. Step out in faith because you just don't know what God will do. So a little disclaimer here this morning. I honestly and sincerely, and the elders can uh, vouch to this, I really feel as though I am preaching a sermon to myself this morning, and I'd just like to invite you all to listen in. This has been very, very convicting going through these mess, going through these verses and preparing this message. And I think I speak on behalf of all the elders. It is not me up here teaching you. It is God Himself actually confronting all of us, including myself, the speaker this morning, with the realities of His Word and the truth of His Word. Amen. Let me read the passage this morning, verses one through six. 
from Ecclesiastes 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way of the Spirit, the way of the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And the verse that summarizes these passages is found in verse 6, which we just read, but let's read it again. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the privilege, Lord, of delivering your word this morning. But as I pray this morning and as, as, as all of the elders continue to pray and, and every speaker and anyone who comes up to share here at the well, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to just be a vessel, to just be a mouthpiece this morning, Lord. I don't consider myself, Lord, any authority in any way to be delivering this message this morning, Lord, but I thank you that I'm doing my job as an elder here at the church and, Lord, that I'm delivering a message that has been incredibly convicting for me. And I thank you, Lord, for these verses this morning. Thank you for the encouragement and the exhortation and the conviction that you will bring, not only to me, but to everyone who hears these, these words this morning, Lord. For your word truly is living and active. And it's truly sharper than any double-edged sword, Lord. And Lord, it penetrates our hearts. And it motivates, it convicts us, it motivates us. And it moves us forward to do what you've called us to do for you. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, that you've providentially have created this time for all of us. And we look now to your word and we ask for your guidance and your leading by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one thing you may have noticed right away in our, our initial reading of these verses is that there's a clear call to dis- decision despite risk and uncertainty with an obvious emphasis on taking action in light of not knowing what might happen. Over and over, three times actually, the preacher says, for you do not know. And one time he says, for you know not. Same thing, right? So we need to keep that in mind as we go over these verses today. These six verses, or Proverbs as some have referred to them, have been evaluated in various ways by biblical scholars down through the centuries. And some are convinced that, they're, that they are simply Solomon's instructions regarding everyday life in, in dealing with commerce or wise agricultural methods. But I'm confident that as we dig deeper into these verses, we, like many others, will see clearly that the preacher is coming from a much broader perspective, that of life as a whole before God. So here's the plan um, for the verses today. Since we only have six verses this morning, 
I'd like to do this. I'd like to go through, through them twice. First, giving the historical context and the author's emphasis, and then circle back and cover how they might apply to our lives today. Um, CJ does that. Some of the other elders do that. Typically with me, I will, I will give the application as I go through uh, a message so that when I'm done, I'm done. But this morning, I'd like to kind of do it their way. So with that being said, let's dive in. Both verses 1 and 2 are a pair of commands that are very difficult to interpret. Verse 1, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now, what's the first thing you think of when you literally think of that? Well, obviously, wet, soggy bread does no one any good at all, really, right? Unless you're feeding ducks at a pond or something like that, or fish. So... Some commentators say it has to do with charity and philanthropy. So the surface reading, obviously, is, is, is not accurate. Some commentators say it has to do with charity and philanthropy. Giving to the poor. Bread that is cast upon the waters is bread that is shared with someone in need. Then in due time, when we have a need, our need will be, will be met because of our generosity. There's an Arabian proverb that's referred to uh, uh, by scholars that relates to this, and that is this. Do a good deed and throw it into the river. When this dries up, you shall find it. Jesus' words in Luke 6, 38 also come to mind. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. All wonderful verses and all very, I mean, all wonderful uh, thoughts. And this, this verse from Jesus, obviously, is one we need to take into heart. However, most scholars agree when we're talking about interpretation. Most scholars agree that the most likely thought in the mind of the preacher was that of international trade related to ships on commercial voyages. Sending one's grain or other produce or goods out to sea and then waiting for them to return from foreign lands, hence the phrase, you will find it after many days. Solomon's fleet of ships only sailed once every three years, bringing back all kinds of things from distant lands, like gold, silver, ivory, and exotic animals, just to name a few things. So the potential profit when the ships returned was worth worth the risk of investment. Verse 2. Give a portion to seven or to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Scholars agree that this exhortation in modern times is similar to the phrase we commonly hear, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Or in business language, uh, the encouragement to diversify your investments. The idea being that if one investment does poorly, it will be counterbalanced by another that does well in light of life's unpredictability. Verses 3 and 4. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. In all of Solomon's wisdom, I, I read that and I was just thinking, he said some pretty profound things that... I don't feel like that's one of them. Those are one of them. It's fairly obvious to all of us, right? Gee, hmm. But 
we'll, we'll, get, to, we'll get to the significance, uh, which again is always deeper than the surface read. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. A verse that comes to mind that is referenced by scholars here in relation to, to, to these, this verse about wind is Ecclesiastes 1.6. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. Solomon continues with the agricultural analogy in these verses. And, and here, here it's a farmer who sees all kinds of reasons not to plant or harvest. The farmer must be thinking, it's raining today, so if I can't plant because the seed might get washed away. Or the farmer must be thinking, uh-oh, now there's a tree right there where I wanted to plant. So I guess I can't plant there today. Um, or, or you might be thinking, oh no, today it's too windy. My seed might get blown away. So we're not working today. And then at harvest time, uh-oh, looks like rain, flooding. I can't harvest. It's not going to work out. Could lose my harvest. Not a good day. These examples of the elements of wind and rain and fallen trees are reminders of familiar cycles common in nature, and every farmer knows them well. Solomon's referring to that farmer who's not willing to push past those obstacles in order for him to reap a harvest. The preacher is describing natural events that are inevitable and beyond human control. But the one thing that the farmer can control is this. It's actually two things. When he will sow or plant and when he will harvest his crops. He can't control the circumstances, the, the environmental circumstances, but he can control that. And this farmer is choosing to do nothing but observe the wind, observe the clouds, and, and, and observe the wind. Last week in, chap, in, in chapter 10, where C.J. contrasted wisdom with folly, which is wonderful, by the way, in verse 18, we heard about a man too lazy to fix his leaking roof. And farmer Joe here is just like him. Couldn't find a good Hebrew name. We bounced a few around in the elders, meaning it didn't. So we just, I'm sticking with Joe. Uh, no relation, Joey, no, no, no offense. No offense, just farmer Joe, you know, it just comes to mind. You know, in fact, I think I bought some chips yesterday. They were like, they were like, Joe's chips and showed a farm truck and I thought I'm I'm writing I'm I'm really getting this from, must be getting this from the Lord it was a sign so farmer Joe here is just like him refusing to sow and as a result he'll never reap so what is what is Solomon or the preacher or Koholet saying up to this point here's what he's saying it's pretty obvious right don't be inactive and indecisive do something and something good can happen because if you don't do anything Nothing is going to happen for you. Don't, he's also saying, don't let circumstances keep you from doing what you know is right to do. Pretty basic, right? Verses 5 and 6. As you, and there it is again, you do not know the way of the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So, he says it again, you do not know the work of God who makes everything. He brings it back to the Lord. In these verses, the preacher lays out the mystery and the providence of God. What a beautiful recognition of the mystery of God in creating human life, along with a stark reminder of his providence as the creating, creative source of everything. 
This echoes of Psalm 139 that oftentimes we, will read, uh, we may read in a child dedication. For you formed me in my inward parts. Verse 13. You for, 139, 13, and 14. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then verse 6. He, he, his, his, his encouragement to, in the morning, sow your seed. And at evening, do, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know, there it is again, which will prosper. This or that, or whether both alike will be good. Notice he's stating once again the, real, the, the reality for his leaders, his leaders, his readers. Um, with the mask on, you might have thought I said readers and, and thought that maybe you misheard, but no, I actually said leaders. I meant readers. You do not know. He's saying, he's stating once again, you do not know. He's in effect saying, plant your seed throughout the day because you do not know what God will do with the seed that you plant. Right? Okay, I'm through those verses. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Let's pray. No. We're going to circle back with application. I know all of you are like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Eric got done with the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the verses in, in, in what, 10 minutes? Application. This will take a little longer. So you, you're not ready. We're not ready to go yet. Verses 1 and 2, let's just break these down. Verses 1 and 2 are, are the commands or exhortations to take action. Verses 3 and 4 represent the excuses as to why one might not take action. Verses 5 and 6 give the encouragement, the overall encouragement emphasis. So let's dive into verses 1 and 2. Cast your bread upon the waters. So there's obviously spiritual application here, and it's, it's, it's obvious. Uh, you're, you've already picked up on a lot of what God is trying to say here, but let's cover it. We are encouraged to handle our spiritual lives the same way as our business ventures, investing in the kingdom of God in various ways by using our time, talents, and treasures for his glory, along with an open hand and not holding back. We're not called to hoard what God has given us, whether it is material or spiritual. Cast your bread upon the waters. Casting is sending forth to be generous to live our lives with an open hand. The bread could be considered anything that you have, the, the goods that you have, the, the, um, the, anything that you have. But in, in, in spiritual terms, it, it applies the same way. But also, this the idea of the seed is God's word. And we'll get into that. And the second part is the promise, for you will find it after many days. I thought to emphasize that, for you will find it after many days. There's a risk because you don't know what exactly that, that return will look like, but there's a promise there that you will find it. God will bless you one way or another, not necessarily for your own selfish gain, but somehow for his kingdom, he will bless what we do. Amen. We trust God that he will use what we have sown into the lives of others and that when we have a need, he'll meet our need. He's faithful. We just need to be obedient. And then in verse 2, he says, give a portion to seven or even to eight. 
I didn't take the time for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. I didn't take the time because I feel like we get lost in the weeds about the Hebrew significance of that type of phrase. And when you say one number and you add another, another number, it's like this, it's like an exclamation point. So there's no, there's no significance to the seven or the eight itself, but it's this, this one number given and another number given. It's common in Hebrew literature. I just thought if I went off into that, it would, uh, knowing myself, we could, we could go into an arena that we don't need to go to. The point is this, that we're to be generous, and we're to be generous, really generous, right? The exclamation point, because we don't know what disaster might happen on earth. You know, when my, um, um, in, in 1979, my brother was killed in a car accident. I was 19, he was 21. You guys can do the math, figure out how old I am now. But um, my father and my brother had this... Um, uh, just a, a, a difficult relationship, and and and, um, and so my father, there was some things that that um, that my brother uh, wanted to do, wanted my father to allow him to do, and it might sound silly, so I don't want to get into the details there, but it, it, it and and so, but my father just, you know, after my brother, he, we lost my brother, my dad, this haunted him for years. And of course, we, you know, we tried to encourage him, but this one thing that he never did for, for my brother just haunted him for years. And, and that's the reality of life. We don't know what may happen. You know, this, um, I've lived in Portland a long time, but I have never seen that the smoke situation from the fires. I have never, I'm born and raised here. I've never in my entire life seen something quite like that. Um, I've seen two inches of ice. I haven't seen that since the 70s where you literally couldn't open your front door. Two inches of ice. To everything, you couldn't even move. Um, but I've never seen... We don't know what may happen on the earth. All kinds of things. And that's why we have to do what God has called us to do in the lives of our loved ones, in the lives of the people who God puts in our lives because we just don't know what the future may hold. Amen? As we talked about in, in the introduction, these are uncertain times that we're living in. Life in general is uncertain and unpredictable. So we need to take advantage of any and all opportunities for the Lord. We need to move forward for Him. Verse, whoops, sorry. Ver, did I mess that up? Sorry about that. I guess I shouldn't worry that the mask falls down over my nose because there's nobody up here. So with your permission, I'm going to allow it to slip. Is that okay? Thank you. Verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 showcase the excuses and the subsequent result of excuses. Verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. One, one speaker I listened to said this, God doesn't want excuses, he wants willingness. That same speaker said this, excuses for not sowing, this is really good, excuses for not sowing will eventually become explanations for not reaping. The rain, the wind, and fallen trees represent obstacles that keep us from stepping out in faith and doing something. What's keeping you and I from doing something that we feel God is calling us to do? Is it too windy? 
too rainy? Is there a tree in your way? That is no excuse because Kevin will come over and cut up that tree within minutes. No, no tree falling on Kevin's property. I can't see. Where's Kevin? He's over here. No glasses. Like Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. I can't remember how many years ago I had a tree. I planted this tree in first grade. I'm in the, we're in the house that, that, uh, that I grew up in. Bought it from my, uh, my parents split up in the early 80s and bought it from, uh, bought it from my mom in the, late 80s, and this tree, it's a pin oak, it, it's so big that it had a branch that was as big as a tree. I mean, the branch was this big. Well, this branch fell, crushed my back fence, covered my whole yard. Kevin Nichols was over there within two hours, along with Jeff Eldridge, and those guys went to work. And I mean, Kevin, yeah, Kevin's the man when it comes, it comes to cutting down trees. So if you have a tree that's in an obstacle for you moving forward in the Lord, Kevin will cut it down for you. But what's that metaphoric tree? You decide what that tree might be. Because I could go into a comedic rant from there, and we won't do that. Okay, I'll stay focused, stay in my lane. This is really hard, Michael. I don't get to move around. i got to stay right here. So unfair, just so unfair. It's, the other thing that's interesting is I, I have I can use my hands because you know I am not flipping pages. So this might be a new uh, a new a new significant thing for me. Um, in our meeting, one of the elders said this, and I think it was Justin. Sorry, I'm got, might not giving accurate credit here, but I don't think they care. Quote: It's in the hard times that giving of ourselves is the most important. There will always be reasons why we can't do do this or that. Another quote from one of our elders in the meeting, it was from Keith. Now, don't be shocked. It's a sports quote. I know you'd be... And by the way, give Keith your condolences. Didn't the Auburn Auburn Tigers lose? Where's Keith? Oh, did they lose? Did they lose yesterday? Sorry. Sorry about that. Everybody, make sure you you, you give Keith your condolences. Um, But Keith said this, that the coach... I don't even know his name. Sorry, I'm not... Whatever his name is, coach of Auburn Tigers, (laughs) uh, said this. Pointing out problems without giving insights or solutions isn't leadership, it's whining. We simply can't wait for ideal conditions, no wind, no rain, no trees in the way, to to do something. And I, um, you know, I, this is probably, it was not the greatest business decision, but I decided to do this at, at, at the craziest time, but I felt the Lord calling me to do it. And again, this is an example where maybe I did do what the Lord told me to do. The rest of this message is spanking me. But um, a lot of you guys know I went through colon cancer in 2018. Thanks for all your prayers. I'm, I'm doing great. All of my reports keep coming back good. But I went through chemo as a preventative measure. Um, into the early part of 2019. Well, um, I decided to become self-employed in the same industry, actually with the same company, while I'm going through chemo. Most people would say, well, that's probably not the best idea. You know, what are you thinking? Is that your chemo brain talking? But in hindsight, and I felt the Lord leading me to do it, I did it. It worked out. It, it has panned out and worked out fine. I'm in the same industry. I actually work for the same company just as uh, on a contract. And I also work for a couple other, a couple other companies as well. And it's been wonderful and create a lot more time with my family and a lot more time, uh, with, with the well, uh, as needed. But 
it was not the best time. It was probably, most people would say, you know, don't do anything when you're going through some kind of thing like that. But I felt like, you know what, I got to do what I really feel led to do. And I'm really glad that I did it. And so I would say chemo and cancer was probably this big tree in the way. And I, I said, come on over, Kevin, cut it down because I'm going to go, go right through. Because um, at my age, I'm not stepping over it. Anyway, he who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. We need to push past the paralyzation of fear. The fear of fear, mystery, and uncertainty. We're called to push past the what-ifs of stepping out in faith. There's someone that I keep thinking about as I was preparing this message, so I reached out to her to say, hey, is it okay if I use you as an example? Because she kept coming to my mind as I, as I was preparing this message. Someone here at the well who really stepped out of her comfort zone, I mean really out of her comfort zone, to help in an area of ministry here at the well that was completely foreign to her, and she was so wonderful at it, and she's a huge help to me and a blessing to, to everyone. And, that, and that, ha, that is Wendy Helzer. And Wendy stepped out in faith, to, to, and God used her with our well-able community. And she was very, very concerned that because she had no experience at all with people with developmental disabilities. I'm sorry, for those of you who don't know, well-able is a ministry that we, it's kind of on hold now, but a ministry that we have had in the past uh, to people with developmental disabilities. And Wendy felt God calling her to get involved when I made a pitch um, for some help and 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 she didn't have any background in that area and she had told me that she felt so inadequate and I'm telling you right now Wendy she's my, like my assistant she takes care of so much she is been such a blessing and 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 God used her in an amazing way and I know she has said it's been a blessing to her but I could count could give countless examples of the blessing that Wendy has been to the ministry and to the well able members um, Wendy could have easily and understandably used her lack of experience excuse, but she didn't. She stepped out in faith, and she has been an amazing blessing, sowing seeds of joy and kindness through who God has wired her to be. And I could name a, a number of other people, but again, I'll, I'll continue with the message. And you're thinking of people as well, I'm sure. Now verses 5 and 6. And I was going to say, and I thought, you know, if you can't sing and you want to sing, just see Michael. And there's a, No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we talked about that at elders meeting. But sorry, that was a lot on ex- the excuses portion. And that's literally in my notes. Now the encouragement from verses 5 and 6 as we come to a close. Soon, I promise. Just another 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Verse 5. As you do not know the way of the Spirit, the way the Spirit comes to the bone in the womb of a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Can't we admit, as much as we learn, oh, and now we can see about human development, we can literally, cameras and everything, guess what? You can see the development, but you don't know. You never get to see how the Spirit of God enters into a woman with child. And it's just amazing. John 3, 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The mystery of God at work with us 
with, with his creation is such a beautiful thing that we actually know so little about. Whether it's the miracle of the birth of a child or the miracle of spiritual birth, we have to admit that it puts us in awe of God and reminds us of our humanity and our great need for him. Verse 6, in the morning sow your seed and at evening do not withhold your hand for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. We need to keep doing a variety of things for the Lord. Just keep on casting that seed on an ongoing basis because we don't know which will bear fruit. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Those works are waiting for us. God prepared them for each of us, individually, specifically. And He's just waiting for us to do them. And those obstacles that we see, the wind, the clouds, perfect scenario, we're waiting for the perfect scenario, it's never going to happen. We just need to step out in faith and do what God has ordained for each one of us to do. We need to just keep doing the good works that God ordained for each of us to do. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says this, I planted, the Apostle Paul, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Good message. Good message for everybody in ministry. Guess what? We're nothing. Okay? Just remember that. We're nothing. We're just a vessel. God, and God can replace us all tomorrow. Amen? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth, the miracle of growth, the miracle of birth, the miracle of rebirth, spiritual birth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Can I tell you something right now? Everyone in this room, you have you, you know Jesus and his spirit resides within you. You've confessed him as your Lord and Savior. It's because a seed was planted by someone in your life. The seed of the word of God was planted in your heart and it came to harvest and you know him. And guess what? That's the God of miracles. That is someone was obedient. Someone was obedient and, and spoke the word to you. And we all have our stories. My word, we can parade people up for the next five years at the well and have everyone share their story about how they came to Christ. And we would all just be in awe of God. And we'd be thankful that someone did their job. Amen? We all know that God does the work and we're just the vessels for His honor. So that with that in mind, we need to take action for Him. This is, yeah, this has been so convicting for me, guys. And I'm not getting into all that conviction, why it's convicting for me and all that. Just trust me, it has been. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of wealth, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up, and so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Today's verses represent a sustained call to decision, to action, to faith. But in so doing, we have the encouragement that God is at work even though we don't know exactly what He's doing or what He will do. Yes, life is unpredictable. And yes, there are many uncertainties and obstacles to moving forward. But especially in times like these, especially in times like these, but we have the hope and the trust that God is in control. Amen? He's calling He's calling us to just keep casting and just keep sowing. 
as we step out in faith because we just don't know what God is going to do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these verses this morning.